Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You are so welcome. The podcast is, it's back. It's totally back. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally back. Okay. I, I have to say, uh, I, I think like real podcasts, unlike ours, um, they like have old news at the beginning, like, oh, let's get rid of all the old news. So there's there's two bits of old news uh, that I wanted to share with you uh, that I have not shared with you, even though we've texted many times and and so on and so forth. Uh, two bits of news that I want to share with you. Uh, All is right. this exciting? Couldn't yeah. be more excited. Oh, you couldn't be more excited. One, I have given up Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to share this with you personally online on the thing. I have given. A, I have not had a diet coke in uh, three months. Uh, just water. I have. I have, wow. I have, I have, I have, I have gone on a. And, and here's why. I will tell you very quickly why uh, I did it. Uh, I was talking to uh, a doctor, um, not actually my doctor, just a doctor uh, that we were just talking. And I was telling him, I said, "God, I got to lose weight. It's ridiculous. I'm. I'm just. I've got to. I've got to do something." And he goes, do you drink Diet Coke? And I said, yeah, a lot of Diet Coke. And he said, you cannot lose weight when you're when you're drinking Diet Coke. That's what he said. Uh. And I said, you know, diet is in the name Diet Coke. I mean, it doesn't. It's like no calories. And he goes, it's a hunger craving uh, thing. That basically, if you drink Diet Coke, you crave food. Uh, it because it triggers whatever, something in your body where it thinks it's getting sugar. And so it craves food. And he's, he knew about some study where he said, you basically will, will eat like three or 400 more calories a day per diet Coke, which is crazy. Wow. Crazy. I've uh, heard that too, that, it, that basically the sweetness of it makes your body think that it's getting sugar, but it's not getting sugar. So it temporarily sates the the like, you know, whatever the reflex is in your digestive system or whatever. And, but then you still crave sugar just as much because it's not actually, you're not actually, uh, the metabolic process isn't actually kicking in because it's like fake sh poison sugar. <laughs> so, so right. well, yeah. Well, it's great because I mean, uh, you know, I have known for many years that Diet Coke isn't exactly the best for you, uh, but it took this guy and, and my sort of dedication to lose weight, which I have, uh, not, not that I'm one of these people that goes around bragging about how much weight I've lost, but uh, I've lost 30 pounds, which wow. I'm very, I'm, yeah, I'm very proud of. And, uh, and it's all the Diet Coke. I mean, it's really not drinking the Diet Coke has definitely changed, uh, my appetite. It has changed uh, how much I want to eat and, uh, stunning, stunning. So this, I, this is, I hope so Diet let Coke. Just, let me just uh, pause for one second. So you and I have been doing a baseball focused podcast for like a hundred years and we uh we we haven't done it in months because i my schedule got really busy and we kind of had to pause and now we're today right now we're relaunching our baseball focused podcast we're, we're like a week we're like a week away from not even from the all-star game uh, we're right in the middle of the season there's a huge uh a number of storylines that we could be discussing and our first story our first discussion topic out of the gate 
is that you no longer drink Diet Coke. <laughs> I just want to make sure, 100% sure I'm clear on what's happening. Well, the great thing is my second uh, old news item doesn't have anything to do with baseball either. So that's great. that's what's really that's really exciting. Um, my second news item is uh, in the old news department uh, is is I will and I will ask you and I have asked you this before. What would you say is your passion? Sort of your the thing that you like like doing that's not family, uh, it's not work. When you're just sort of hanging out, you know, you have a little bit of free time, which you don't get much of, uh, where does your mind go? What would you say is your passion? <laughs> I mean, How about watching, that? watching baseball, watching baseball. Yeah. Baseball yeah. is, well, that, that's good. You also yeah. though, but you, you collect books. I collect that's, books. That's... I like to read. That would be up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a passion. Um, you, why, why are we going with this? Where are we going with this? I am starting a, a new uh, podcast, uh, interview podcast. You know, we used to try to like sort of squeeze in uh, like interview podcasts in between our, our podcast. Sure. Uh, and, and what happened then was people would download those and they'd be like, I don't want to hear Keith Law. I mean, they didn't, they were like, no, I did. That's, I, I don't like Keith Law, right? I mean, so I don't like Keith Law made me think, well, I could do a different podcast where I'm just talking to people about their passions and uh, launching it this week. Uh, it'll launch later in the week. It's called Passions in America. And uh, my first guest is a baseball guest. I mean, I'm, my first guest is Nick Davis, who just uh, did the Ted Williams American Masters documentary that ah. is coming out next week on PBS. And I've seen it. It's amazing. You will definitely want to put it on your calendar. Uh, July 23rd, I believe it comes out. Uh, so later this week, when today is today, release day should be All-Star Day game uh, or game day, I guess. Uh, and, but in a couple of days, passions in America will launch. And, uh, uh, so anyway, so that's it. Very that's, exciting. That's my, now where, where can all... people access and listen to passions in America? That's a good, that's a very good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm hoping wherever you get your basic pat, your podcast filling stations, I think, I, I, I think it's going to be on iTunes and Stitcher and all the others. I, but as you well know, I don't know what I'm doing. No. I have no earthly idea what I'm doing. No, you should. But in general, I think it's a good idea to be able to tell people where they can, um, where they can access the product that you're making for them. It is. It is. I, it will be on iTunes and and hopefully all the other podcast places. And uh, once it's actually up and running, uh, I will hopefully have links that I'll put on on uh, Twitter and all that. But anyway, really, really fun and a lot of incredible guests that have already agreed and lined up to, uh, to do this. Uh, so, uh, so very cool. So anyway, just a, just a little, just a little tease. So there you go. Do you have any old news, anything at all? Um, no, I'm mostly focused on whether the Yankees get Machado. That's mostly what well, I, there that's you go. mostly, I, I can't, that's... I can't even remember what happened yesterday because I'm so nervous that the Yankees are going to get Machado. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going to do our Yankee Minute, and uh, as part of our relaunching of the podcast, we have all kinds of new music uh, from David Von Kampen, uh, who has done uh, all of our, you know, he did the Browns uh, update and, and uh, Tommy Pham and all that. Uh, so here is David Von Kampen's Yankee Minute. Yankee Minute. Wow, what do you think Moving. of that? 
<laughs> was my, that how do you how do you feel about that? Here's my one. Here's my one. I love it. Obviously, I love it. It's um, it, <laughs> it's so scary. It's, I love it's that one it's of so the most. Scary. I mean, I love it because of how pointless it is. That someone actually sat down and made that <laughs> is wonderful. But it it is scary. I I think honestly, I could stand to have it be a little more ominous. You know, the actual vocals of Yankee Minute are a little bit light and fun. Yankee Minute. They are too fun. You know, I wish it were more like the, the, the feeling you should get when you hear it is the same feeling you get when they're, like the news breaks in, like the, like the national news like breaks <laughs> in and, and, and to tell you that like something really terrible has happened internationally. You know, it should have a, a foreboding and, and like scary feeling. Like you've been, you know what it should be? The feeling you should get when you hear the Yankee Minute theme song is the feeling of it's the middle of the night and someone like rushes in and like wakes you up or your phone rings and someone goes like, Hey, listen, yeah. Ah. Like that, that should be, that should be the, the uh, adrenaline, the fear, the third brain fear response is what we want to trigger with the Yankee Minute theme song. And I feel like it's just a tiny bit too pleasant and welcome. Here's my counter argument because I, I I agree with you. And certainly we want to instill fear. What I think is great about it is it starts off like, oh, Yankee, like super jazzy, and like, oh, don't worry, everything's fine. And then it goes dark. It goes very, very dark at that point. I kind of like that. It's kind of like a surprising, like, oh, hey, I'm a Yankee fan. Oh, that's they're not. They don't like, but why? But that's my point. Why should it ever be positive? There's nothing. <laughs> I think you want you know to draw. I mean? Like, there's no. You want to draw them in. Think, oh, everything's safe. Everything's fine because that's how the Yankees are. Oh, everything's fine. No, it's not. Nothing is fine. That's not how the Yankees are. The Yankees are you're miserable from around the clock, twenty four seven, three sixty five. Like that's that's exactly my point. There's no no good has ever come out of that organization, and so you want. You want the the message of the music of the right thing. Away. You want it right away. Yeah. You know how the, the message should be, you know how you've always been miserable because of the Yankees? <laughs> Guess what? You're going to keep being miserable now. All right. We have to, we have to, you and I have already kind of uh, tweeted, uh, texted each other about this, uh, but it's so true. The Yankees do not need Manny Machado. They don't Correct. need Manny Machado. If they were a normal organization, they wouldn't even want Manny Machado because they've got a kid at third base who's like amazing. I'm yeah. like everybody would want to have him in baseball. And they still might get Manny Machado. That to me is the definition of the New York Yankees. Well, it's also unclear whether they're really in on him or whether they're trying to drive the price up or keep know. him away from Boston uh, or whatever. It seems yeah, like they're really in yeah. on him. But yeah, it is it is the height of Yankeedom to to have a twenty one year old Miguel Andujar on playing third and with like an eight seventy OPS and still Machado's got like a nine forty OPS so we could, we could increase our OPS for the next two months. Here's the thing though, they they do like everybody knows and they know that what they actually need is pitching, right? They need a starter and the and the question is like, do they? Is there just no starter who's good enough, or is this a smokescreen? And out of nowhere, like it, they're gonna they're gonna land some they're gonna somehow land Zach Greinke or something from the D backs. You know what I mean? Like that's because that's what usually happens is like out of nowhere they just get some guy that you didn't even know was on the was on the block, and that's my real fear. I would say. Um, I mean, they have like the other thing is they have so many blue chip prospects right now that they could afford. I mean, the funniest thing about all the rumors to me is 
all of the news about Machado. Well, Justice Sheffield isn't in the is like off limits. And it's like, well, we should, okay, fine. But like, why him? They've got like seven other blue chip prospects right. between the majors and AAA. So it's like, all right, I guess that is the guy they want to keep. But like, what what's the difference? I know he's a pitcher, but they've got like Clint Frazier. It, like they've got Frazier and Duhar. They've got Torres, obviously, who like they'll they'll never trade in a million years. Justice Sheffield. They've got like they've got like seventy guys who each of them individually could be the the cornerstone of a, of any kind of a deal for pretty much anyone. And it just right. makes me retroactively so angry again that they about all those deals they made. They traded Andrew Miller to the Yankees. They flipped Andrew Miller to the Yankees for. Uh, and they got and got Sheffield Completely. and Frazier in the same deal. And now either one of those guys Ugh. could easily get them basically anybody they want as the middle as the center of a deal. And but the real thing is, and I went on a crazy rant to you on text about this. I really can't get over yes. the misery and and the like essential unfairness of the entire Araldus Chapman saga in oh new york gosh. Oh just to refresh gosh. everyone's memory the dodgers had a deal in place Let's right refresh. the dodgers had a deal in place to trade for araldus chapman then araldus chapman was in hawaii i believe and got into some kind of altercation with his significant other or girlfriend or wife i can't remember who it was and fired a gun uh maybe not at the person but like in anger fired a gun at which point the dodgers were like okay that's not cool we're calling off the deal at which point the Yankees went, we'll take him. And they stepped in and they took Araldis Chapman. Araldis Chapman picked a sort of what counts for the Yankees as a lost year, which means they only won 84 or 85 games. And 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 for like they pay he pitched and did his Araldis Chapman. He served a 30-game suspension for firing a weapon at, at a person. Then he pitched for the Yankees in May in June and a half of July. Then they flipped him to the very desperate to win a World Series Chicago Cubs for Gliber Torres. Then the end of that year, Araldis Chapman was part of the Cubs run. Obviously, they won the series despite the fact that Chapman was almost the goat and almost blew it for the Cubs. Almost. And then in a free as a free agent, then he just signed with the Yankees again. So basically, they picked up damaged goods, uh, damaged at his by his own uh, by his own actions. He pitched for them for two months. They landed the probably the number a top ten prospect in all of baseball for essentially nothing. And then two months later, just had just had Chapman back. And it's just, it's so infuriating. And I know that the Cubs were desperate. I know that they like needed that win, that it psychically like was a, was a balm that soothed uh, 108 years of wounds. I get it. But I'm so angry at Theo Epstein for doing that. I can't take it. I can't take it. They now have six controlled years of Gliber Torres in their middle infield. And that lineup is just going to get more ridiculous every year as those guys get better and better. Well, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing because at the time when they made the Gliber Torres deal, we we hated it from the start. You and I, we ranted about it, not as much because we knew how great Gliber Torres was going to be or how big a prospect. We, we knew he was a good prospect, but that wasn't the point. The point was just karma-wise, that just was such a terrible thing. I mean, it's like, you know, the Cubs – were such a sweet story and such a cool thing. And Theo had done it all the right way. And then like at the last minute, he's like, I oh, will sell a little bit of our soul in order to get the world series. Right. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him for doing it, but it was like, this is going to come back. I mean, it just is. There's just, you don't make a move like that and not have it come back. And now, you know, and you and I talked about this a little bit last time, 
you know, the Cubs could use Clyber Torres a lot. I mean, every team in baseball could use Clyber Torres, but I mean, as, as set as we thought that team was as like, Oh my God, you know, Baez and Russell, that team will always be that Russell's not that good. He's okay. Yeah. He's not that good. You know, yeah. and bias can be the shortstop. It's amazing to think that like they would have been better off trading Addison Russell as part of that deal to the Yankees. <laughs> like, you know, right? It, well, I think yeah, it's, I think he would have been long term. Yeah, certainly long term. So horrifying. All right, here's the question though, and this is this is sort of the this is the cheery side of of uh, the Yankee minute. The the Yankees are ridiculous, right? They're they're ridiculous, but. They are in a league where the Red Sox are even more ridiculous at the moment, at least. When we don't know how long that'll last, but what they at this point when we're doing this recording, they've won what nine in a row or something, and, and ten. Uh, ten in a row. They're you know they're on pace. Tom Tango over at MLB hates when I use on pace, but sorry, we're this we're far enough into the season. They're on pace to win 112 games. I mean, this is insane. The Yankees are on pace to win 107, and Boston's, you know, could could win the, the the thing by five games if they if this kept going the way it's going, uh, and the Astros are ridiculous. They're amazing, and and they're on pace to win a hundred and some games. Um, is it possible? Is it is there enough to hope here that because if they were in the National League, it's like they're going to the World Series. It, it, there's not even a question. There's nothing here, but because of the way things shake out. There's a chance that right now they would be. There's a chance they will be the wild card. There's a chance they'd have to go, uh, you know, basically, you know, win the one game playoff, which of course they will. If you're the Mariners, God bless you. You know, you finally make the playoffs after 17 years and like, hey, let's go up to Yankee Stadium and, and face Luis Severino, right? So, so that stinks. <laughs> um, but then they'd have to go through Boston and Houston. I mean, that is that is a assume assuming Cleveland doesn't beat one of them. Um, that's tough. That's really really tough. So, is there enough to dream because the American League is so top heavy and so good? Is can we dream that this will not be the Yankee year? Yes, you could. We could, they, certainly, certainly. And and the the key obviously is like. Having to play that one game playoff, which means having to start Severino, uh, and in order to just advance, and then going to either you know Boston or Houston or even Cleveland, when you're starting there, who's their second pitcher, right? Like right now, their second best pitcher is a 52 year old CC Sabathia, uh, and <laughs> and they ha- like Sonny Gray's a disaster, and they have Domingo Herman, who's a who's sort of a wild card. He's young and he throws 100 miles an hour, but he's also a little wild and he's a rookie. And they, you know, they they have problems. Like that's why they need that starter. Yeah, like yeah, that's he, it. Well, there's a the thing. Their second starter is going to be Zach Greinke. I mean, you've already said it. I but mean, if they were, their, their second starter is going to be somebody. If they were going to Boston after after winning a one game playoff, let's say, and they didn't start Severino against Chris Sale in Game One. Like when you look at those matchups, you would take on balance the Red Sox starter in every game. You would take, um, you would take Porcello over whoever their number two starter is. You'd take David Price over whoever their number three starter is. Even David Price just falls to pieces when he faces the Yankees. Uh, But like you would, you would take Eduardo Rodriguez over whoever their number four starter is. Like you would just do it. You would just. They're, they're, and the same is true of the Astros. You would take the Astros starters over all of the Yankee starters except Severino. So, oh, yeah. yes, of course, there is absolutely 
hope. The problem is, is that if the Yankees are a knock your starting pitch, and this happened with Corey Kluber last night, if you if they're if they can get to your starter, and last night they did it infuriatingly by having Gardner hit two home runs. <laughs> Just them, it's like you've got to be kidding me. How does that oh. happen? Um, if that if that happens, <laughs> the the you don't beat their bullpen. They have seven guys in their bullpen who are better than any of your guys. So it's just like it. Just, it's like I compare it all the time to Mike Tyson in the old Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Like you can beat him. You just have to be per- everything has to line up perfectly. You just can't make a mistake. You can't like <laughs> you can't have one inning or one pitch or one play where you don't pay attention and. And uh, and if you do that, like yes, of course you can. I mean, look at the Red Sox. The Red Sox are are 162 plus 162 in run differential. The Yankees are plus 134. The Astros are plus 180. Um, so yeah, like like I mean, you can look at that. The Yankees lineups is so scary, but all in all, like the Red Sox and Astros are having better years than the Astro than the Yankees are. So you have to give the Yankees another 10 percentage points of likelihood just because the, the Yankees in terms of making the world series. But um, just like we saw last year, you know, uh, and those teams can beat them. Oh, I think they can. I think they can. All right. Last, last point on the Yankees is just a direct question to you. Who is AJ Cole and why is he doing this? (laughs) (laughs) That's all. That's all I want to know. Here's my favorite thing. Every Yankee, every year, the Yankees get some AJ Cole and you're like, what are you? Why? How could AJ Cole be unhittable? It's amazing. Unhittable. It's very funny. They've had it. They always have these guys um, do this exact thing. They always come up in June and July. (laughs) Like so Gary Sanchez, who's having a terrible year goes down and and the guy that they bring up to replace him is, is Kyle Higashioka. Who's a long journey. I think backup catcher who has like a 600 OPS throughout the minors. And in his first nine games, he has hit three home runs and, and, and has a 625 slugging <laughs> like percentage. And it's like, we have, right. Yes. Right. Of course. Sorry. I, for, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry for what, for what, for one second that that wouldn't happen, that the, that the career journeyman backup catcher that they bring up to replace Gary Sanchez wouldn't hit three home runs in his first like five games in the majors. I'm, I apologize to the universe for not assuming that that was going to happen because of course it's going to happen. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And this AJ Cole thing, I, I can't sleep at night. I, I just, I'm like, no offense, AJ Cole, God bless him. But, uh, he's two and O with an 0.48, not the record matters, but two and O with an 0.48 ERA, uh, in 18 and two thirds innings. He's, he's only been up a little while. Uh, he's given up one run, <laughs> one run all year. Just, Oh, I'm I'm broken. I'm broken. All right. We need to move on. Uh, And our next stop on this thing is uh, very exciting. We talk about old news. This is really exciting. Uh, We get to announce uh, the podcast player. That's right. uh, For 2018. And and here's the thing. And I think I think podcast listeners uh, understand this. We put up a poll months ago, back when we first, you know, thought, hey, we ought to let the listeners have some say in the matter. We put up a poll and some guy, uh, I don't know, one of one of our many uh, listeners who are smarter than us, like tweeted to, to both of us, basically saying, it would be so podcast if you guys didn't pick any of them. <laughs> and so uh, he, he's right. He's probably right. We did not pick any of them. Uh, our podcast player of the year is here and, and, and through David Von Camp and here is the song uh, for our update. Here it is. 
Checking in on Scooter Jeanette. I mean, that's fantastic. God, I love that. I have no I argument that about that at, at all. <laughs> at all. That's just perfect. It's perfect. And especially the little ending part where he has like, just go stretches Scooter Jeanette just a little longer. <laughs> A little longer. So uh, Scooter Jeanette is the podcast player of 2018. Uh, Scooter Jeanette has a, first of all, there's a lot to say about Scooter Jeanette, starting with the fact his name is Scooter Jeanette. I mean, that's really probably was the winner. But what really put him over the top, at least in my book, was part of the podcast player is we want them to to do a fam, right? right. We want them to do a 300, 400, 500. And uh, a lot of the other guys that we were looking at really fell off uh, in one part or, or another, whether it was on base percentage or batting average or whatever, they fell off or it's like, there's just, they have no chance. They have no chance. Scooter Jeanette is perfect for us because he is unlikely to do it, but he's got two of them right now. So he is, he is, and I, I can't believe I'm saying these words, Scooter Jeanette leads the National League in hitting <laughs> right now at 326. <laughs> Which is awesome. It's just so awesome. That's and amazing. He, it's amazing. And he has a 518 slugging. Uh, Scooter Jeanette does not walk. He scoots. He scoots. He does not walk. Um, so he only has 25 walks this year. So his on-base percentage is 372. It's going to be really tough for him to get that up to 400. But, it, but there's a chance. This is this is why we this is why you play the game. This is why you play the game. So how do you feel about our podcast player, Scooter Jeanette? I feel good about it. I feel a little bad for Nick Markakis. Now, you wrote about Nick yeah. Markakis recently, and uh, it's a really good story. I mean, I, yeah, it's a little interesting to find how little the world knows about Nick Markakis because when he played for the Orioles, he used to kill the Red Sox, at least anecdotally in my memory. He was pretty good. He was really, and it was like, it was, it was, he was a pain in the butt because you'd be playing the Orioles in a game you kind of <laughs> needed to win in like early August, and the Orioles would be nowheresville, and you were like, just roll over, Orioles, come on, man, just roll over and let us take this game. And Nick Markakis would like line a double off the wall in the eighth and drive in the tying run, and it would be annoying. And so I do feel a little bad because he's having this incredible year in Atlanta, and Atlanta, in Atlanta as a team is a great story. Markakis is a great story. He's at 322, 388, 492. So he's right on the cusp of a fam. Uh, and I do feel a little guilt that we're not going with Markakis. But counterpoint, Scooter Jeanette's name is Scooter Jeanette. And he was a wire claim. He was a he the what the Reds claimed on 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 uh waivers, right? From uh from uh, Milwaukee. Right. So like that's you just got to root for that guy. Now he's not going to get there. I have one theory. So I think the only way that Scooter Jeanette can make the 400 OBP level is through the hit by pitch. That's my supposition. I believe that if he that, that the only way this happens is he leans into like 30 pitches in the second right. half of the year because he doesn't walk. He's only walked 25 times the whole year, and he's already hitting 326, which is probably you would get say. That's sort of the ceiling for Scooter Jeanette. I don't think he's going to hit uh, like for average much higher than 326. So he just needs to become Don Baylor and and lean into a bunch of pitches, and that that will get him his fam. That's my supposition. How likely is that? Do you think? It's well. Here's the thing. He on the plus side, his name is Scooter. Right. So that that is huge. On the downside, 
only two hit by pitches so far this year. Yeah, he's got to get way better at that. He had that, and it needs to become a repeatable skill for Scooter Jeanette if he's going to make a fam. <laughs> I love that he's trying to do it. And your point about Marcakis is right. I mean, look, he's having an amazing year, and he's 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 a cool story. He's a cool story. But everybody knows Nick Marcakis. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, it's it's probably people are pretty surprised the year he's having. It's his first all-star game this year, which is cool and, and, and all of that, but he's been around forever. And, 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 you know, as I think we talked about in the last podcast and I've written about a couple of times, real shot at 3000 hits, like a yeah. legitimate chance, for 3, <laughs> hits, which That's is so crazy. Yeah. You know who else I feel bad for is Eugenio Suarez because he has currently a fam. He's at 312-401-575. He's on the same team as Scooter Jeanette, and we don't care about him because his name isn't Scooter. <laughs> and Eugenio is like a good name. I mean, it's not like that's not a, a cool name. He's also, I mean, and and this is, I mean, this of no disrespect at all to Scooter Jeanette, who we love because he's our podcast player. Like, we kind of know Eugenio, Eugenio Suarez is like a good player. Right. I that's mean, like right. that's like he, Scooter Jeanette, when he hit the four home runs last year in a game, everybody was like, what the heck is like the world went upside down. And now uh, he's leading the league in hitting and it feels the same way. So uh, uh, Scooter Jeanette, we're excited. And and uh, the uh, uh, we'll, we'll give you the updates every couple of weeks. All right. One more thing before our draft. And that is a, a brand new segment uh, that we're going to be doing uh, called Sports Movie Time. And we also have music for this. What do you think of that? <laughs> Again, the sheer um, meaninglessness of it is very appealing to me. <laughs> it's so it's so meaningless and wonderful. Um, sports movie time. What we are going to do every uh, podcast, if we can actually come up with enough to do to get us through the year, um, we're going to pick one moment from a sports movie and uh and and argue about it i don't know if we'll argue we might agree we might agree but like a we're gonna pick like a a, a contentious item from a sports movie and and discuss uh what we think actually happened right right so so our first one is is a great one because it's actually sort of circled the internet a little bit it's it's it, we're, we're, this is not necessarily as original uh as maybe some of the other ones we're going to come up with but it is it is a cool one and i'm, I'm glad we're starting with it uh the question is from the the movie A League of Their Own and and it's the it's the pivotal question of there at the end of the movie, uh, Dottie Henson, the big star, Gina Davis, uh, is catching and uh, her sister is hitting and the whole movie is about their relationship and so on and so forth and uh, she she tells the pitcher she can't hit the high ones and she does hit the high one and then and then she comes around uh, to try to score the winning run she runs into Gina Davis, uh, Kit does, sort of in Pete Rose fashion, and knocks the ball free to to win the game uh, and the championship. And the question is, um, did Dottie drop the ball on purpose, right? That is our question for right. sports movie time. Uh, so I will let you begin because I know you have a strong feeling about this. Okay, so there's a lot to say about this play. The first thing is um, this, the scouting report that Dottie gives her pitcher is – uh, high fastballs. She, uh, she can't. She can't lay off him, and she can't hit him, which right. is just a great scouting report. And then it, she's right. She goes 0-2 on two high fastballs, and then Kit destroys the ball, and she goes oppo. 
which is my favorite thing about the whole scene is that they she drills it to right center, which is such a cool choice. I don't know whether it was intentional or whether it was just what happened, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. The real the real story here is so the 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 there's a runner on and that runner scores to tie the game. The real story though is that the whole play and in fact the entire movie should really be called Doris held the ball because <laughs> Kit is rounding third and the the relay throw comes in from right and Doris Rosie O'Donnell the third baseman she gets the throw at third before Kit has even touched third base. <laughs> it's insane. It's a it's a it's sort of a bad piece of filmmaking in my opinion because she literally uh, has to then turn around and like just not throw the ball home. She should kid should be out at home by eighty feet. Right. It's really oh, yeah. weird. Oh yeah. So so she so Doris holds the ball. It's her fault. This whole thing is her fault. The game should be in extra innings. She throws home, and I believe, in my opinion, that the collision is real. That the that Dottie does not drop the ball. That she has a concussion currently and is in the concussion protocol because the the collision is is massive. It's a it's real yeah. real collision, a real vicious collision. And and she and Dottie goes uh, flying backwards and just hits the ground, and her hand hits the ground, and the ball comes loose. And I believe also the so I I believe that it's real. I believe that she does not drop the ball on purpose. I believe Dottie is a competitor and she wants to win, and she would have happily uh gotten her sister out but her kit just wanted it a little more uh and so the the it's a real play i would also say though from a screenwriting point of view if you if if you wanted the story to be that Dottie dropped the ball on purpose there would have been a clue somewhere and they look at each other a bunch of times in the in the build up to the final pitch they there's a lot of like they kind of look at each other back and forth and i don't i don't see on Dottie's face the look from the actor that would suggest like I have, I'm softening and I am deciding that if I have the opportunity, I'm going to let my sister win. I see a lot of like, I love you. And this is a, this is a, we have a difficult, complicated relationship and a lot of stuff. There's a lot of water under the bridge here and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't see the moment where either before or after the incident that would say like, yes, that's what the screenwriters intended that she dropped the ball on purpose. So in my opinion, it's a real collision. Kit wins the collision, Ed, Ed, uh, uh, or uh, Pete Rose style. And, and uh, I believe that she dropped the ball because of the collision, not because she wanted to help her sister. Okay. Now, now I will, I will counter uh, first by saying everything that you said is hundred percent right. And it absolutely could be that way. Clearly. I mean, part of this was, there's a lot of pent up aggression from Kit, who is who has never hidden her jealousy of her older sister throughout the entire movie, and and so there's a lot going on there and all that. I think there is a clue, and I think Dottie dropped the ball. and And here's my way out there crazy theory about this, but this is my idea. The movie starts with Dottie, the old Dottie going to Cooperstown for this event, right? And she's there and she's getting ready to leave. And the, the whole thing is sort of a journey back in time and whatever. But as she's leaving, her grandkids are playing basketball, right? And it's the older one against the younger one. And she says to the older one, hey, let let your brother shoot. He's too little. He's little. Let him shoot. And so he goes, and then she says to the younger one, kill him. Right. So that's like that's the that's the line. And then she gets in the car and she goes, uh, I think that is a clue that uh, at the end of the day, 
she did drop the ball. She told the older brother to just let her, let him, you know, shoot and let him be. Uh, and and that at the end of the day, even though Dottie was a huge competitor, and and I'm not saying she would have dropped the ball if she had not come in really hard. I mean, I'm not saying that she like said, hey, in her mind, whatever happens, she dropped the ball. I think somewhere in the middle of how much she saw how badly uh, Kit wanted to win, I think she dropped the ball. That's my theory. But isn't that isn't you couldn't you also read that as um, as Kit? Uh, sorry, as Dottie is saying, what I loved about my sister was that she was a killer, right? That she like that she just that she didn't let up. That she used yeah, every ounce of strength that she had, and so like like if you um, that you so you're you're saying that the real clue is saying to the older kid, hey, let the younger yes. kid win. Yes, right. That is my view. That is my viewpoint on it. Although. Again, I, I, it's not, I mean, I think what I really loved about what the screenwriters did, and you're right, they, I, we, we should make a, a, another point that Doris is the goat of that play. I mean, my gosh. I mean, she almost could have gotten her a rundown. It was like, that's how that she. It's possible. I mean, she you just know, got shot. Petty, she didn't think she was going to go. She got shot. I, that, that, that's how they play it, that she was like, well, what? What's happening? Which <laughs> But Lori Petty is super athletic and you can, you can just tell like as she's rounding first, oh, she looks oh, like a sprinter. Yeah. And, um, and so I, you, it's almost though at the point where if Rosie O'Donnell's character were more on the ball, she would have just run at her right. beca- and, right. and, and caught her from behind. Like she was, <laughs> she's probably three steps um, to between, she's three steps off third base between second and third when Doris catches the the relay and she's probably like eight feet behind Doris. I mean, it's truly insane. It's, insane, it's a really weird it, thing. But it's kind of like the Eric Hosmer play, right? It's like the, I can't believe they're going kind of thing. And you're like, there's that momentary uh, pause where like, Oh, what she's going. I mean, I, I have the ball. Where is she going? Um, but it wasn't a great throw either. It really, I mean, it, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't played all that well defensively. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, but it's a great question. I like that the screenwriters kept it open. I love that this is like a an open thing, and I hope I, I guess it's become a big enough deal that people might ask Penny Marshall or or the screenwriters, uh, you know. And I I hope they never say because it doesn't. Yeah, that would ruin it. It's it's there's it's it's yeah cool that nobody knows. All right, there's our sports movie time. So next week's is our next uh, episodes uh, will be something uh, uh, completely different. Um, all right, quickly, it is time for our draft, and we are drafting uh, ways to improve the All-Star Game. Since this is All-Star Game Tuesday, everybody's got theories on the whole what you do for the All-Star Game kind of thing. Uh, so we are going to draft ways to improve the All-Star Game. Do you like the All-Star Game as it is? Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> it's lost most of its interest yeah, for me. I have to say, like my my ten year old jerk son still likes it because it's like, I, and I remember the feeling of of being a kid and thinking like, wow, every great baseball player is in one place, yeah, and yeah. that was really cool and stuff. But like, it you know, it I just can't I can't get excited about it. It's like the fourth and fifth innings of the All Star Game are super boring oh, <laughs> like, you know there's something good like you want to see the, to me when i was a kid the whole point of the all-star game was you got to see roger clemens against the nine best hitters in the national right. league and the national league or you saw pedro against the best hitters in the national league or whatever like and you don't get that anymore like starters throw one inning everybody throws one inning it's a constantly rotating you know carousel of, of guys yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's just, it's just, it doesn't, it's just not that interesting. And, you know, these, and it's like, you can't blame these guys. They make so much money and based on their health and the, the idea of like risking their arms on a, um, you know, on, on an exhibition game is kind of pointless. And then they tried to make it count and it, that was dumb. And it was like, what are we doing here? So, uh, look, I, the, the headline here before we draft anything is there's no real way to fix the All Star game. Well, <laughs> like, it just, I agree. I think, I agree. No, I agree. I mean, I think that's right. But I also think there, here's, here's sort of going to be my overriding theme in my, in my picks. And I, I suspect this will probably be yours. I, I think you, you have to treat it like it's com- something completely different from everything else. I think what what has made the All-Star game uh there was a time when the All-Star game mattered in a in a real way when the National League and the American League were really separate and the players, you know, there were a lot of National League players who never ended up playing in the American League at all and American League players who never played in the National League and and there were different styles of play and all of that well all that's gone. That's it's it's one big league of 30 teams now so so it's not the same uh like it used to be in that way uh but i think you can make the all-star game really really cool but you have to you have to let go and so my all my ideas will be completely letting go of the idea that it's a real baseball game it's 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 all right so you why don't you choose first then, I, since you feel more strongly about it than i, I will choose first my my first one and, and there are a lot of people who have said this one, and I, I just mentioned this, the American and National League thing has got to go away because it's the only thing that you can say about the American and National League right now is the National League's not as good as the American League, right? That's the only, there, there's no different style of play. The best players in the National League played in the American League for the most part. Uh, you know, they, they, they cross over. There's no dividing line plus interleague play. The American and National League thing, other than the DH, is pretty much spent, in my view. So I say you've got to split it up in a in a new, exciting, interesting way for the fans. Now, people have talked about America versus the world. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I, I, I'm always I, – I'm divided on whether that actually celebrates, uh, you know, the diversity of the game or whether or not it just kind of, you know – points it out in a way that isn't isn't a huge celebration. So uh, I like the idea that I've seen. It's not original. It's one that I've seen across uh, the internet uh, of old versus young, where you have old guys versus young guys. And old in baseball terms would be, what, 30 and over or something, uh, or, or a certain number of years in the league, maybe seven, eight, nine years in the league, whatever it is, uh, versus the young guys in the All-Star game. And I think that could be kind of cool. I think that you would have some pride – Online, the old guys would not want to lose to the young guys, and the young guys would be pretty, pretty fired up to to to, to get their chances in. So, it's it's I, I'm totally open on the format. I just think the format needs to change. That's my that's my first way to fix it. Yeah, I'll 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 use that as my first pick too because I had a slightly a similar, slightly different version. I think they should basically do what the NBA did last year. I think they should say you what like the fans should vote in like the the top like the two best players in the league or whatever you know and it's mike trout and clayton kershaw or something and i think those guys should pick the teams i think they should do what the nba did because i i was actually surprised at how much i cared about the nba play like an all-star game draft like i was really like i i was like what is lebron doing why is he like i really i really got invested in it and i feel it's obviously more complicated in in um in baseball but like 
it, it there's something fun about like I think the fun of it was you got to see Steph Curry and LeBron talk about and discuss like what makes these other guys great and hearing Clayton Kershaw say like my first pick is whoever it is let's say it's Nolan Arenado and he's like I don't know what to tell you man that guy always like knocks me around and like I just love his approach or whatever I think hearing those guys talk about their peers would be interesting and you're right the league divide couldn't matter less they there's interleague play in every single weekend of baseball every week so uh, so I think we do, you dispense with that. That's a sort of old world view. It's it's faded away. It doesn't really matter. Nobody really cares in the same way that nobody really cares about the East versus the West in basketball. And you just you have it have some new way of choosing these teams because the piecemeal the worst thing about the All Star Game is the crazy number of different ways that guys are selected oh to God, the All Star Game. Knows? It's just so crazy. Yeah. It's it's fan voting and it's manager selections and it's players, this and it's that. And there's a six last players get to weigh in. And then there's a, there's a fan vote for the last player. But then also, by the way, 17 guys on the rosters get injured or can't play or pitched on the day before. So they can't play. So there's more guys who were selected. It's so dumb. And so it's like, just have wait until the weekend before and have on Sunday night baseball, have Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw announce their teams that they're picking like have a live draft, like do it live, have them get, have them get a little, you know, do a position player versus versus pitcher thing where, you know, it's Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer and, and Chris Sale get together and Trout and Mookie Betts and, <laughs> and uh, you know, whoever get together and they, they choose like, you know, they choose their teams. It'll be really cool. That, that would be cool. That would be cool. Let me throw out one other possibility along those lines and then I'll go to my second pick. Um, what if we could, <laughs> I, I would love this so much. What if we could get like one of whoever it is, and you as as uh, as as one of the founders of Fire Joe Morgan would be the one of the judges that would get to choose this. The most traditional baseball person out there, like Jim Cott or something, right? I mean, just like the most traditional. And Jim is 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 actually a little more, you know, whoever Joe Morgan is today, the most traditional baseball guy, and then like the most like new guy, like that, a Tom Tango or something, and had them draft the teams. I, sure, that would be really fun. It'd really be fun to like have like the you know the tradition versus the metrics or whatever whatever it is. Some, I mean, it's such a big part of the game. Uh, I think people would choose sides. I don't know who would be on the tradition side. You know what would be really funny about that is that if you did like newfangled you know sabermetric math versus old school grinder team. It would be a one game sample and then either side would like claim victory about how they were like and it would be funny no matter who won because they'd be like, ha, we proved, we proved it. it. And you then- can't even argue anymore. You're not even allowed to mention war for the rest of your life. We just won that game. Oh, that would be so awesome. I love it. All right. Second pick is this is a weird one. I got I got a, sort of a, a a couple of these are gonna be a little bit off the deep end. I think the All-Star game should have an inning of stars. And I don't know what inning it should be. Because, by the way, I don't care about the game. I don't care who wins it. And I don't think anybody else does either. Um, the, the There should be whatever it is, sixth inning, seventh inning, maybe seventh inning, you know, just because there's a magic about the seventh inning anyway. Um, where you have an inning of stars where you get to put up, there's the lineup's gone. Okay? The score is still there. You, the lineup's gone. Whoever you've taken out of the game, it doesn't matter. You can send up your best hitters in order, however you want to do it. There's no, and you send out for the other team, 
whoever your best pitcher is. So it's like whoever didn't start the game. Uh, because one thing that I can't stand is in the late innings, you just see one inning guys. I mean, it's not just that they all pitch one inning. You see middle relievers uh, pitch, and they're 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 fine pitchers, but th- that's not the all star game. Is to see you know see, hey the you know the 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 Cardinals best middle reliever. What I, I don't I don't care. That doesn't that doesn't do anything. I mean, there's no excitement watching them face. So you pick whoever the second best guy is, or maybe that's your even you pick your best guy. And they come out for the seventh inning. They just pitch one inning against the other team's absolute best players. Uh, in the order that they want to send them out, it would be like a big announcement. You wouldn't know who they're sending out beforehand. Uh, and it would just be the inning of stars. I would love that. I think uh, it's a great idea, but I would make it the ninth. Well, I mean, why, why not? not yeah. Right? What, what, what you, because you're going to save your, like whoever the best closer is, you know, whoever the, like the most exciting closer is, or all this Chapman or, or um, who's the Jordan Me? Who's the guy in the Cardinals yeah, uh, who throws like 109? Yeah, it's insane, insane. Um, yeah, like you're going to save that guy to the ninth anyway, right? So just say, I mean, what you want is, do you want the ninth inning to be as exciting as Troy Percival versus Barry Bonds in right. the 2002 World Series? You want a guy who's like, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. And the other guy's like, great, I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. <laughs> and you just want that three times. So yeah, make it the ninth. Great. Like say like in the ninth inning, each team gets to put just to send up out of completely out of order, any three guys that they want. And then you get Araldis Chapman facing, you know, Bryce Harper and, um, you know, who would be the, like, you know, it'd be awesome. I don't even know who it would no, be. It'd be it'd yeah. Be it would be great. It would be awesome. Just to so the, yeah, great idea. I would say, um, I would say this, that leads to me to my, I'll, I'll do building off that. These are in no particular order. My draft. I want them to have a ton of prop bets for charity. <laughs> That's what I want. I want there to be a thing where every player has a charity that he or she is playing for. And you just have, you have a hundred prop bets basically throughout the game. The first home run uh, in the game, that guy gets $10,000 for charity for his choice. I want the hardest thrown pitch by anybody to win, to be $5,000 to that player's charity. I want the, like, I want a triple to be worth like (laughs) $7,500 to that player's charity. Like just encourage guys to just like, let it fly. Like if you throw a runner out from center field, or from the outfield, if you get an outfield assist, that's a thousand dollars. Like if you steal a base, that's a thousand dollars. Just and have this running total, and have them all pick charities, and it can be any charity they want. It can be you know ASPCA or or you know wounded veterans or um, or you know the reuniting kids at the border, whatever it is. You just have all of the, and then you after the after you know a guy hits a triple, you go to that player in the dugout on the next inning and say, Hey, you just won 2,500 bucks for your charity. Tell us about your charity. And then oh, they tell them. Awesome. And then if you just, have, you know what I mean? Like have this running Chinese menu basically of like all of these things are, are up for grabs. Who's going to go grab it. It's like the skins game, but instead of giving millions of dollars to wealthy golfers, <laughs> you, you give, you, you end up giving millions of dollars to charities that the players have all chosen and they get to advertise their charities. I love this. I totally love this. I think every home run should be uh, charity. The first one should be worth yeah. the most, right? Great. But like a game-winning home run, would, oh, I love this. We can oh, the grand over- slam is oh. fifty thousand. Like you know, and you get you know they have they have you know whatever it is the mortgage company or the the real estate company Century Twenty One that sponsors it. But you could get imagine how many like if every single time anything happened a strikeout from a pitcher or 
you know, a, a, a caught stealing, like everything's up for grabs, like go get it and make money for the, for some charity that you love. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. And then you would be able to look back at different All-Star games and go, uh, which All-Star game raised the most money, right? And that's, that's, yeah, how you, there you go. that's how you would know which is the best All-Star game, right? Is the one that, that, that had the one the that raised the most money. money. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I love that idea. All of our ideas are great. That's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're all just great. Uh, my third idea is very specific. It's not. It's not as much of a game thing. It's more of a of a something I think can really just fix what's going on now. We're so worried about uh, roster construction for the All Star Game, uh, which is absolutely the stupidest thing I could possibly imagine. And no, who cares? Who cares about roster construction? The, I think we have this so we you know guys have to everybody has to play and everybody no just it's none of that should be it should be a big celebration of the game. So my third idea is one that I, is very very simple. The teams that do not I, I I know there are a lot of people that say hey we we should stop doing it where every team gets a player. No, I don't agree with that at all. But what I do agree with is the team the player that goes to the All Star game should be the best player on that team. He should not be some middle reliever that just happens to fit, uh, you know, with with the roster construction or whatever. And look, the the Royals don't have a particularly great player, or or, or the the Orioles, I guess, have Machado and nobody else. Um, but there are teams out there that don't necessarily have players that are all stars or whatever. But I think you want to talk about the fan vote. The fans should vote for the best player on their team. Those fans should vote for the best player of the team, and that player should go to the All-Star game. I mean, that's my my view is, and and again, I know there are a lot of people out there that say just cut them out, but I don't, I mean, you want people in Kansas City or in, in Texas or wherever to care about the All-Star game. You want them to watch. You want them to have a reason, but they're not going to have a reason if you're picking, you know, some, some left-handed reliever who's thrown 18 innings because he fits your your ridiculous roster construction. So my third idea is let fans choose best player on their team, and that guy's going to the All Star game. I I go the other way. I go get rid of the every team has to be. Yeah, you're one thing. of those. Yeah. I, yeah. I just feel like, like okay, if you're a fan of let's say the Baltimore Orioles this year, well, you're going to get Machado. Like it, whatever. Like right. you're a fan of the Royals. Are you like is the are you going to watch or not watch based on whether one of your you know setup guys is on the team? No, of course, of course you're not. Like you're either going to watch it because you love baseball and you want to see the All Star Game, or you're not going to watch it. You're not going to like base your decision. I can't imagine people are basing their decisions on whether or not their team is actually represented. I think they maybe get a little more happy if it is or something, but like it's not going to drive ratings really. I mean, I would say you keep the, you keep the rule if it's for the home team, right? If you're playing the, you happen to be playing the game in Baltimore this year or Kansas city or some place where the team stinks. Yeah, of course. Then you got to have a guy on the team in the same way that the host country of the world cup gets an automatic bid. But I just, it just, to me, it's like the, there are many problems with the roster construction. And one of them is that you have this ridiculous thing where every single team has to have an all star. That's not what an all star is. You know what I mean? Like, I get that it's an advertisement for the league. I get that the reason they choose the stadium is to, is to like show off the stadium. I get all of it. But for goodness sake, like, you're just hamstringing everybody. The reason that these managers have headaches trying to figure out how to work everybody in 
is precisely because there's things like everybody has to have every team has to have a guy. So I say just get rid of it. Well, see, but my feeling on it is is exactly opposite. I I think that it does, and maybe not for for the typical fan. But if you're a 12 year old kid in Kansas City, it matters to you that there's somebody. You know, having having lived in Kansas City for a very long time when the team was absolutely terrible. There was a real disconnect between Major League Baseball and the Kansas City Royals, where you did not even feel like you were a part of the league, and it was and it was really dispiriting for a lot of baseball fans. And I, I, it's probably becoming that way again in Kansas City. But it, throughout the two thousands, it was very very tough to be a Royals fan. You know, if you were lucky, maybe you got mentioned at the end of Sports Center. Uh, nobody ever talked about you. You were never involved in any trade rumors. You were never involved in anything national. Uh, and you now what? Now we're not, not even good enough to get an all-star. I mean, I my thought is throw out the roster construction. I don't care how many all-stars there are. That doesn't – look, you have a core base of, of 25 players, okay, that you can build. And then whatever happens to be tacked on to the end of that – is, is not a big deal to me. Hey, you can call them an honorary all-star. They don't have to play in the game. I don't care. But there needs to be, in my view, every team should be represented in the all-star game. And I think there's a really easy way to do it. And it should never be your like third setup guy because he happens to be okay and fits into the roster. Forget that. Okay, if, if, if that's the case, that guy's not going to play anyway. Pick the best player from the team and let the fans do that. That's my That's my view. So are, is is yours to get rid? Is is your third choice? Yeah. Okay. Mine so. was to get rid of it, but I'll, I'll I'll link that to my number four choice. We'll just draft out of order here yeah, because sure. it's related to this. I think the roster should be smaller. They we average about eighty all stars a year. I'm not sure if you know that <laughs> the roster. <laughs> there are eighty guys, roughly seventy nine. I think the last two years, because of injuries and because of you know all this stuff, like and pullouts and everything else. So it's like. I mean, 80 all-stars is a lot of all-stars. And like, you know, look, the the real way to do this, and you can't actually do it, um, but the real way to do it would be to say, hey, instead of three days, we're off. We're going to take like a, like 10 days off in the middle of the year. And everyone, that way, everyone will be available to pitch, right? The starters will be able to pitch and the like, everyone will get like a time off or whatever. They'll, you do it like... Right now, we're they're doing it the way that like the Champions League works in you know in European football, which is like these guys are playing in the Premier League and then they fly to Milan and they right. play with their with Italy in a friendly against you know a World Cup qualifying friendly and then they fly somewhere else and play in a Champions League match and they fly back to play an FA Cup match and it's just it's crazy, except that in baseball it's even harder because you can't really like a starting pitcher can't just pitch back to back days right so short of like actually taking 10 days off or whatever, which I don't want them to do, that would stink. That We'd would have stink. like yeah, a week and a half of that baseball. I just feel like they, they just need to like start with smaller rosters, stop inviting the entire world, stop inviting 40 guys uh, to play on the team because guys are going to pull out and whatever. And so like just have a starting nine and a starting pitching staff and then fill in the blanks as you need them or something. I don't know what the answer is, but there's just too many guys. No, in, I, in, look, I agree. And I, I mean, I, I think you're going to be hurting some feelings or whatever. And everybody wants an all-star to be an all-star, which is not really what the case is. 
I agree with you. And I, what I think there should be is there should be a 25-man roster and then honorary All-Stars. I, I really think, hey, I'm sorry. You did, you weren't good enough to get to 25. You're still an All-Star. Come on out. Uh, I don't know how many would. But come on out. Be a part of the festivities. You know, represent your team. Uh, I'm sure there's ways to to incorporate people in there, you know, and, and, and figure out cool ways to, to do it because the Ulster game is a big thing, right? It's a community thing. It's a big event in, in a lot of different ways. Um, but I'm, I agree with you on, on just cutting it down. I mean, part of, part of, you're not going to make the All-Star game uh, really, really fun for fans. If Mike Trout is always playing four innings, you're just not. And and I get it. Hey, Mike Trout wants his time off too and whatever. And, uh, you know, that's that's a problem. But if you want the All-Star game to matter, you need to have Mike Trout playing, you know. I mean, the old the old guys did. And that's why it mattered. I mean, Pete Rose, when he slammed into uh, into the catcher at the, at the All-Star game, was in extra innings. I mean, he, he played the whole game, you know. So, yeah. so it's, it's, a different, it's a different time. And I realize we're not going to go back. But we have to find ways to make the All-Star game the All-Star game, where it's celebrating baseball and you're not in the eighth inning watching somebody's middle reliever against, you know, a All-Star that is really not an All-Star. And, and right. I think that's that's a problem. So I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. I'll do my fourth one really quickly. Uh, and I, we've actually discussed this, so there's not a full discussion necessary on this. But tie ball game uh, is absolutely uh, decided with a home run derby. That's that's just and it's and a home run derby the way a home run derby should be, which is each team sends out a player, and they get whatever it is ten swings, five swings, whatever. But it's like our best gets your best uh, winner. And and if 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 it's tied after that, just like the shootout, then you send out two other players. Like that's that's how it would yeah. go. Uh, or you could even do it with three players where each get five swings. However you want to do it. Uh, there's a lot of fun ways, but totally. Uh, and then everybody will root for a tie because everybody will want the home run derby <laughs> and that, which, which look, I would incorporate the home run derby as much as you can. Uh, I think it's, it's really, really cool if you do it that way. And uh, uh, I would love it. So, so that's my, that's my. Uh, yeah. That's, that's an easy, that's a no brainer. That's a, I mean, I, it was, it was shocking to me that no one had the wherewithal in the Bud league tie year to say that, like they should have just said it like, just bring them, bring out whoever you want. Bring out pool holes and <laughs> and you know uh, someone else, and just say like f- ten pitches, most home runs wins. You oh. know, but at the time they had also decided that it, it quote mattered end quote, and so then they then they were in well, the unenviable led, position, right, right, that, of having it's like now the World Series home field is going to be determined oh. by like a home run derby in the eleventh <laughs> inning of the All Star game. It's just such a mess. The whole thing's a mess. All right, we totally flopped positions here. Somehow I'm now drafting before you, but I don't care. Oh. So. Um, the, my, here's my last one, and tell me what you think about this. I, I and I, I get why. I, so of course, I get why they do it the way they do it. But I say, don't vote until July first. You know, oh. we choose an entire federal government in one day. <laughs> we can probably handle, you know, only having two weeks to choose the All Star team. And part of what is exhausting about it to me is they start voting in like late May. You don't even know who's on the, who's good and who's bad. You don't know. I mean, in the old days when you went to the stadium and you got the like punch ballots, which I think almost no one does still. <laughs> no, it's gone. Um, they don't do you, it. But you would like there'd be guys on the on the punch ballots who weren't even in the league who had dropped out. Were back in the minors. The the best players were rookies that weren't even on the ballots. And obviously, that's not as much of a problem now. But it's just so crazy that you can vote like. 
at, you start voting after like six weeks of play or something. It's just nuts. I totally and so, agree. Oh my god! It's like just wait until July first, then you know who's really having the great years. It, it and I know obviously they want to draw it out as long as they can. They want them. They want to be able to say seven and a half million votes. This guy got four and a half million votes. Whatever. I get it. But like, okay, fine. Just quadruple the vote total. No one will know. <laughs> just give everyone four votes for for the, the one that. That's cast and it'll be fair all across the line and then you can inflate your vote totals that way. But I just think it's so it's it makes it feel unspecial that it's just constantly being talked about, like who's going to be in the all star game, who's going to be in the all star game. So that's my fifth and final way. Just uh, stop the voting until the very end of June or early July. I totally agree. By the way, I love that your idea is. Um, a shorter voting window and voter fraud. Like you want both of those in the same. In- if it's voter fraud <laughs> spread evenly across everybody, then who cares? I I feel like they want, they just want to tout the number of votes that people have, have made. Right. So if that's really what they want, then just count every vote for oh, everybody four times. I think, who cares? I honestly think if, if, if we, if we, you know, baseball could do it. It's, you, you open it up for three days. You make it like a three-day celebration, right, of, of voting, right? And you just – I don't even want a week or two weeks or whatever. It's just like, hey, July 1st or July 10th or July 5th or whatever date it is, uh, maybe right after the 4th of July, uh, and you put MLB Network at work. That's it. 24 hours a day. It's what you're talking about. Oh, my God. Who's going to make the All-Star game? And you give running totals and, and, and uh, you know, things are, things are rolling and it's like – you know, it's like the Jerry Lewis telethon, right? You just got like, you know, people, people, you know, super old, you know, you bring back great players and they talk about it and just make it like a real, like singular thing, like a celebration of the game uh, before the game is even, you know, before the game is even played. So totally agree with you. And, you know, they did do the voting later this year. You give them, give baseball a lot of credit for that. It was way better. Uh, but yeah, I'm totally with you. I just... I would try to make it like a like a three day thing, you know. Try to make it like that's, you know, baseball. Everybody wanted to follow the NFL uh, success with the draft, right? Because the NFL draft is such a big event. Baseball draft, who cares, right? I mean, it's 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 a little bit cool in the first, uh, you know, the first round or whatever. You, maybe you've heard of some of those guys. College World Series is going on. Maybe you've watched a couple of them. These guys, they're not going to be in the major leagues for five, six years, right? Most of them, if they get there at all. And and so it's like, hey, why don't you have your own celebration around the All-Star game where you really open it up to fans, you open it up to 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 you know the history of the game. I would love it. I would just love it. All right. Yeah. My fifth one is sort of a a general uh it's not a very specific idea, although there is a couple specific ideas in it. It's a general thing. Try everything in the all-star game just try try uh uh, robo umps try uh every goofy idea that people are coming up with that that you might seriously consider doing you know i just wrote a piece about the elam ending uh the basketball elam ending uh which the uh the basketball tournament the tbt is actually doing uh go to the athletic and you can read about it i'm not going to go through it here but what struck me about the elam ending is um, it's new and it's cool and it's interesting. And maybe it stinks. Maybe it won't work. Maybe you won't like it, but try stuff. And baseball has no place to try these kinds of things. I mean, they can a little bit in the minor leagues, but 
Try crazy stuff. Every crazy idea that you've ever had, uh, try it. Try it in baseball, in, in the All-Star game. I, I think the biggest problem with the All-Star game is it's tied to some history of it mattering. It doesn't matter. It's a celebration of baseball for baseball fans. And, and you know, I would I would honestly try anything. I, I think anything that you think, okay, well, maybe that won't work. Maybe that'll be terrible. Maybe people will laugh at that All-Star game, sort of the way we laugh at, like, the glowing puck, you know, days in television. Um, so what? Try it. Try something new every All-Star game. I, I think that would really be helpful. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Just say, like, every year we're going to keep tinkering and try crazy stuff yeah. until – until we find a like something that is fun and people like, yeah, <laughs> like why not? <laughs> why not? That why not? I, like for a game that the whose main problem globally, and and by that I mean in the big picture has been like it is too stuck in the past. Like be 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 radical and change stuff up and and uh, try to find a, a formula that works. I totally think that's a great yeah, idea. Why not? Let's do it. Let's make it. Let's make it work. All right. So there's our there's our draft. By the way. We we let that draft completely fall apart on us in the middle. We were yeah, just, it's not really even a. Dra- even I don't a think draft. we should even call that a draft. Yeah. It's more of like a you know, open ended uh, discussion with multiple points of interest. Yeah, I would say that. Although I won, I mean, I mean that part is clear. I clearly <laughs> sure. Clearly won. Yes, no, you you definitely won. Yeah, no question. All right, one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. Uh, I will start because I already have one up front. Um, I don't. I, 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 I've written uh, a little something about this on, on, uh, on Twitter, uh, and it's, it's driving me crazy. Uh, you can, and, and, and again, not original. I'm not saying I invented this, but uh, it did hit me, uh, and then I tweeted about it, and then a lot of other people responded, oh, yeah, this is, this is a thing. When you call a place, uh, their options have always changed, right? They always tell you, like, oh, uh, please uh, hold because our options have changed. When you like press one to reach this person, press two to dial whatever, press three for the operator, they always say that our options have recently changed. And it's it's universal. It's There's almost never a time that I call a bank or a phone company or whatever it is that their options have not just recently. Who is changing these options? Like, like who is out there going... Those options are just not, it's just not getting it done. We've got to, we've got to totally change our options. And I'm curious. It's a great question. It's a great question. But I I also have another aspect of that, that it it always tickles me, which is you're assuming that I remember what your (laughs) options were. Like that I'm so thrown, like I will, I obviously I'm going to call this number and then hit three and then two and then six and six and then one. And oh no no wait I can't the options have changed oh god thank thank you for warning like how what what difference does it make to me if your options have changed who is that audience that is a great yeah, point what, like did I did it, when you call places do you write down and keep in like a locked safe somewhere like what each phone company places options are like I don't understand it don't don't assume you're like who you think a lot of yourself <laughs> mech computerized voice that you think I care at all what your options are on a day to day basis. No, I'm with you. That's weird. It's weird. Um, I have another, I have uh, interestingly a related thing, which is that there appears to be a new move by telemarketers where they call you with a phone number that's close to your phone number. Oh my gosh, I've noticed that too. Right? So you get like my phone number, like like, you'll get a number from like one eight 
800 and then it'll be like the first three digits like you know <laughs> 663 or whatever and you'll be like and and it's meant to and it's always spam right and I, but it's it's so funny to me because similarly to your options have changed I'm like, wait, do you think I'm calling myself? Like, what do you think? Why do you think that's of interest to me? I, it, it, it must be working because they keep doing it. But like what the, the theory is that you're calling yourself, right? I guess I guess the theory is, but wow, this number is so close to mine. It's it must so be somebody out here. Like, is it, yeah, like is it, it must, because it's close to my number, I guess that must mean that I should pick it up because it might be my friend because they give friends <laughs> phone numbers that are similar to each other. Like what? What is the theory? It must just be like very like unthinking. You see a number, it looks vaguely familiar. You pick up the phone, but if you really, if you peel back even one layer of that onion, it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> what percentage of people, by the way, pick up one of those calls and hear the "Hi, I'm Judy" or whatever the recording says, and doesn't hang up immediately? Like I what? Per- what percentage do you think it is? It has to be a fairly significant percentage for the numbers to keep calling. It's, it's, it's a good question. It's like, uh, it must be a third of 1% and that's enough to (laughs) keep these companies in business. Yeah. (laughs) It's awful. That's awful. Well, Michael, we did it. We got through, uh, our first, uh, podcast of the season. We really did. We totally got through it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just barely. Let's not kid anybody. Um, awesome. Well, this is great. And, uh, uh, as always, thanks for uh, coming. Thanks for having me.